0: We think we've heard of that before Stranger stories every day Wonder what tomorrow's gonna bring So listen, friends, we'll blow your mind With the finest nonsense we could find Might be true, and that's the weirdest thing Hello Hello, we're back in your ear holes <laughs>
1: Um, I don't know why, for some reason, this time that sounded really dirty to me.
0: (laughs) I like that because it's like that it's never sounded dirty before.
1: No. (laughs) Uh, But yes, this is the Weirdest Thing podcast. I am your host, Scottie Milder.
0: And I am your other host, Amelia Ampuero. And we're here to tell you about the weirdest or most interesting things we found on the internet.
1: And we are in spooky season. So we're full blown. kind of full-blown spooky season these stories yeah um my story ended up being it's like i would say it's like spooky season adjacent
0: okay same
1: yeah i i and it's actually like the third story i uh Uh. third or fourth because i i had two that i started that were like oh these are like these aren't spooky these are just upsetting okay and then another one that was like oh this is just like way too involved and i and literally was starting it last night and so this story yeah. is actually an offshoot of that last idea
0: oh great okay um, it's,
1: and it's one i'd never heard of before but i found really kind of fascinating so uh should i just go ahead and dive in because i think i'm going first this week
0: absolutely go for it
1: cool uh so i'm gonna tell you guys this week about the hammersmith ghost
0: i don't know anything about this I,
1: i'd never heard of this before uh, sorry hold
0: night. on i'm like gotta fix my fucking chair <laughs> <laughs> there's like a sweet spot for the chair in the setup and if i don't get it then i'm just uncomfortable <laughs> okay i, 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 I think it. i've got it i'm gonna sorry. leave all of that in there I'm sorry
1: continue <laughs> so my sources this week wikipedia this is criminal.com which is a podcast um, which i only listen to a little bit of medium.com bbc.com and crime magazine okay so the hammersmith ghost near the end of 1803 a bunch of people in west london the, the hammersmith area of west london which sounds like i mean your brother would know more than me but it sounds like it's like one of the like main commercial kind of cultural centers of london like okay i think the apollo theater is over there and like, okay when well, i think even back in 1803 it was like it was like a bustling thriving part of the city okay well people started being attacked by a ghost <laughs> so this ghost it was described as being tall and dressed in a white cloak but others said that the ghost had horns or was wearing like a calfskin shroud wrapped around its body
0: okay. it also had
1: enormous staring eyes which almost like they're magnified by eyeglasses okay and this ghost would like jump out of people would, like jump out of like dark alleys and doorways okay to scare, and like sometimes actually grab people like attack people okay so here's like the account of one thomas groom he's just listed on all the articles as a servant
0: whatever (laughs) (laughs) man okay
1: Uh, england 1803 yeah precisely but so he said quote i was going through the churchyard between eight and nine o'clock with my jacket under my arm and my hands in my pocket When some person came from behind a tombstone, which there are four square in the yard behind me, and caught me fast by the throat with both hands and held me fast. My fellow servant, who was going on before, hearing me scuffling, asked what was the matter. Then whatever it was gave me a twist round and I saw nothing. I gave a bit of a push out with my fist and felt something soft, like a great coat. So, yeah, I had to read that a couple, like, like, seriously, 1803 people, like, just did not like
0: periods.
1: (laughs) But, yeah, so he got grabbed by a thing in, like, essentially, like, the graveyard. Okay. Like, grabbed from behind. And it became a nightly thing. Like, people were seeing this ghost every night. And it was jumping out of doorways and scaring people or grabbing people. And it started to escalate into this full-scale panic. And rumors started flying around. Like, it's not clear to me whether this was, like, confirmed it reads more like these were just rumors okay but it was said supposedly a pregnant woman collapsed after being scared by the hammersmith ghost and was okay uh so traumatized that she actually died um this also supposedly happened to an elderly woman okay uh like the ghost jumped out of her and she was just like and collapsed and died
0: said fuck it
1: yeah (laughs) like i'm done
0: (laughs) 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 No. now i've seen everything yeah goodbye <laughs> Jesus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then like one of the more like uh what would you say scary like, scary controversial Ooh. Uh, okay stories where like people are like this is becoming like a real problem is there's a wagoner which sounds like a wagoner is like sort of like a stagecoach driver i think okay And he was, like, pulling a wagon through Hammersmith. He was driving a team of eight horses, and he had 16 passengers with him. And the ghost jumped out and scared his horses. And the horses. I'm sorry. You're just liking the idea of the ghost scaring the horses?
0: (laughs) Well, just because I don't know where the story is going. (laughs) Just continue. Just continue.
1: Okay. Well, so so the ghost, quote, unquote, uh, jumped out and scared the horses. The horses panicked and started okay. running off and you know taking the sixteen passengers in the wagon <laughs> on a ride. <laughs> he finally managed to get control of them, but it was like, okay, like that was dangerous. Like you know, sixteen people. Yes. Yes. You seem very, <laughs> very concerned over there <laughs> about the sixteen people.
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry. Because I don't know where the story is going, but if it ends up being like some fucking kid in a cloak or something, like I'm I I just
1: Well, put a pin. I want to
0: be, I want to be, okay. I want to be respectful (laughs) for these people. I'm sorry. Continue, continue.
1: (laughs) So people were like, who, who is the, who is the ghost? Like this is clearly a specter from beyond. Yeah. Like, obviously, that's what it is. Who could it be? Right. Uh, and so there was apparently a man who had killed himself 12 months earlier by slashing his own throat.
0: Oh, God. Okay.
1: But he was buried in the Hammersmith churchyard on holy ground, which people okay. are like, but that's sacrilege. So clearly, it's his restless spirit mm.
0: who's mm-hmm. going around
1: and scaring people because we need to get him out of the churchyard because we're he's sinning against God or whatever. Right. I, I'm not Catholic. <laughs> I don't know how that works.
0: <laughs> i like that we've got to get him out of the church guard because he's sitting against god or whatever, or whatever. yeah <laughs> yeah essentially that's that's the gist of it
1: yeah exactly but people were like this is like there's a couple confusing things here okay so apparently london did not have an organized police force at the time no So it was just like, we're going to set up essentially like a neighborhood watch. And so these armed patrols started going around the neighborhood looking for the ghost. And I'm like, but it's a ghost. Like, so you're going to shoot the ghost is the plan. And we're about to find out how well that plan went
0: okay (laughs) okay
1: so on december 29th a night watchman named william girdler saw the ghost near beaver lake okay girdler gave chase and the ghost ran away and as it was running away the ghost threw off its shroud and escaped and so Mm -hmm. they were like you know what i don't think this is a ghost i think this is like some asshole
0: (laughs) this This is the point when they were like maybe we're not dealing with a ghost (laughs) right (laughs) hey guys i know out their idea but hear me out maybe it's not a ghost
1: no i think okay. this is when it occurred to them that, like oh no it's just some dickhead so they stepped up the patrols and now they're like not looking so much well i think some people still thought it was a ghost and some people were like i mean i don't know that ghosts like run away from you and throw off just... their cloak so like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But so uh, just a few days later on the 3rd of January, 1804. Now, this was a little confusing to me because I read a couple different accounts. So, again, this William Gird- Girdler, who when it says night watchman, I think this was his actual job. He was like yeah, a night hired to be a night watchman. He was making his rounds and he either was doing his rounds with or met up with while he was doing his rounds. A 29 year old tax collector named Francis Smith. Francis Smith was part of this like neighborhood watch and was going around and he had, was armed with a shotgun. So, like, like I said, I don't know that like were they out there together or did they just like run into each other? Okay. But anyway, Girdler was like, you know what? This is about 10 30 p.m. He was like, why don't you keep like going around? I get off in a half hour. I'll come join you. Okay. And Francis Smith was like, cool, cool, cool. And so they split up. Moments later, Smith encountered one thomas millwood and i saw a couple like he was either 23 or 32 like i saw that in different so whatever i someone transposed the numbers but thomas millwood was a bricklayer. okay the normal clothing of his profession were quote linen trousers entirely white washed very clean a waistcoat of flannel apparently new very white and an apron which he wore around it so he's out there <laughs> sorry. dressed all in white
0: okay sorry that was what bricklayers wore
1: Uh uh-huh it was like his like work attire
0: okay i'm just bricklaying is a dirty job i know i I had
1: this i had the same thought like why why white
0: but maybe it's how you know painters will wear like white coveralls
1: yeah yeah maybe
0: it's like they're like "Mm, i'm gonna get dirty yeah i don't i don't know yeah okay sorry curious
1: no, no but I, I had the same thought i had the same okay. thought but anyway but so he's essentially wearing all white he had been out visiting his parents and his sister Anne, and had just left to go home and as he was leaving Anne said like you gotta change out of those white clothes because i will get to it like apparently like a week or so before he had actually scared some people who thought he was the ghost the hammersmith ghost okay and he was like whatever people are dumb no i'm gonna go home <laughs> so he left and apparently like he literally like walked out of the house turned the corner and then anne heard a voice immediately saying damn you who are you and what are you damn you i'll shoot you and then boom heard the shotgun blast
0: oh my god
1: so here we have a good good guy with a gun
0: good guy with a gun
1: out protecting the neighborhood
0: yeah i mean i guess technically he did ask first and shoot later but not by much.
1: Yeah, and this is, was a contentious thing as part of the trial. Like, I think it was like, damn you, who are you? Boom. Like, it, <clears throat> like I think it was that. Like, it was like within the second or something. So and she calls out, for, she's like, oh my God. Like, so she's like, calls out for her brother. He doesn't respond. Oh no. So she runs out there. Moments later, she finds her brother laying on the ground, covered in blood. His mm-hmm. face is all bloody and horribly disfigured because uh, Francis Smith had shot him in the lower
0: jaw. Oh! instantly instantly yep oh uh.
1: so immediately after firing the shot Francis Smith realized he had made a terrible mistake because I think he took a look and was like oh that's not like a ghostly shroud (laughs) do ghosts bleed or
0: yeah wow
1: oh this ghost is dressed like a bricklayer
0: oh my goodness
1: so you know good guy with a gun um so he's like freaking out he tries he starts to kind of i don't think he was like trying to run away but he was like i think going to find someone he runs into another neighbor a guy named john Locke, who said he quote appeared very much agitated yeah i would think clearly they and he basically tells him he's like i just shot a guy um can (sighs) you come with me and so they go back well now anna's there with her brother apparently she's like trying to like holding his hand trying to like wake him and this uh when Girdler, the night watchman, had also showed up. And then I think other neighbors are like kind of coming out. And this was also confusing to me. So they got back to the to the body, and Smith immediately turned himself into a constable. Now I could not figure out who the constable was, and this didn't make sense to me because I was like, wait, weren't there like no organized police? And that's why they had this. So it al- I'm almost wondering if he actually turned himself into Girdler, who's the night watchman who they're calling the constable. I don't know. Okay. Okay. But either way, he turned himself in. Like, okay. He was just like, yes, I did it. I did it. Oh, I feel in. bad
0: that I was joking about this. This is sad. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it, it is. It's also 200 years old. So.
0: Okay. I know. Hmm.
1: So they took him to Newgate Prison to wait trial. They carried Thomas Moe's body into an inn. A local doctor named Mr. Flower examined the body and was like, no, he's dead. And he said he Mm. was dead, quote, due to a gunshot wound on the left side of the lower jaw with a small shot about size number four, one of which had penetrated the vertebra of the neck and injured the spinal marrow. So let's talk about the trial of Francis Smith. Okay. Because they immediately put him on trial for willful murder, which, you know, seems fair. Yeah. But he claimed, he was like, but I, I thought he was the ghost. Like I was, I was shooting at the ghost. Like in the ghost, like I thought it. He was attacking me, and basically, what he said is, he said he had said he called out twice for the man in white, who was Millwood, to stop, but that the man kept advancing on him. But then Anne testified and said, "Yeah, maybe, but like literally, like gave him like a half a second.
0: And right. Then, it was like stop, stop. Who are you? Boom.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So. Ugh. Uh not great not great so the leading prosecution witnesses were actually john Locke, william girdler and ann Millwood. okay and you know Locke and girdler who are friends with this francis smith you know they they basically testified they were like you know he's a good guy he turned himself in right away he was immediately cooperative but also this is what happened like he he just up and shot the dude
0: but he yeah he straight up shot yeah. the dude
1: And then the defense called a bunch of witnesses, uh, essentially to speak to Francis Smith's good character. And one of the witnesses, they were also trying to establish, like, he had a reason to be afraid of the Hammersmith ghost. Because the Hammersmith ghost had been going around attacking people. So they called Thomas Groom, the servant, to tell this story. Okay. Um, So I think that's why we actually have an actual quote.
0: Oh, right, right, right. Because I think
1: it's from the trial. Okay. And basically, and he was talking about how he'd been attacked by this Hammersmith ghost who had like thoroughly terrified him. And so, you know, basically
0: <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> yep. okay, I'm okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was having some of the same reactions where I was like, this story's sad, but also these people are dumb. <laughs> like
0: I just okay, so years and years and years and years ago, uh, and Scotty knows this, years ago, I was on a show called "The Scariest Places," mm-hmm. I think it was "The Scariest Places on Earth," mm-hmm. and I spent the night in a haunted amusement park in West Virginia.
1: I almost did that story though. That. <laughs> that was one of the stories I was looking at. Uh, you should have part. done
0: it because I would have had real time uh, interjections okay. about it. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> um, at one point, they had us meet with a psychic, like paranormalist, right? Mm-hmm. And she was telling us, she was like, you know, ghosts cannot kill you. You need to know that ghosts cannot kill you, but they can hit you, slap you, push you, mm. choke you. And if you can briefly, you can like, if you know what to look for and you catch this, you can see me in the episode when she says that kind of be like, whoa. <laughs> If a ghost can choke me, a ghost can in fact kill me. Right, right, um, you think. Yeah. And so <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so tickled by this whole thing, but I think it's this thing <laughs> of like being literally physically attacked by something. And instead of being like, there's somebody out there who's doing some stuff and playing some tricks, they're like, ghost. Well, it's all,
1: I mean, it's a Scooby Doo ghost. It's like it's a, a guy Scooby-Doo running Do around ghost. in a white sheet. Like, that's the yeah. thing. It's like, <laughs> why no? Why the guy had to be out there with a fucking shotgun in the first place? It's a dude in a white sheet. Like, yes.
0: Uh, Uh, Yeah, there's just a lot. There's just a lot that makes me, you know, that makes me giggle. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but a lot of this is making me giggle.
1: Well, also testifying for the defense was Millwood's mother-in-law. So the victim's mother-in-law actually testified for the defense. Uh, her name was phoebe fulbrook what a jerk and she talked about how on the previous saturday remember how I said he had scared right. a couple of people accidentally he had frightened two people who had passed by in a coach so this is her quote she says on saturday evening he and i were at home for he lived with me he said he had frightened two ladies and a gentleman who were coming along with the terrace in a carriage for that the man said he dared to say that again fucking periods For that the man said he dared to say, there goes the ghost. That he said he was no more a ghost than he was and asked him, using a bad word, did he want a punch of the head? I begged of him to change his dress. Thomas, says I, as there is a piece of work about the ghost and your clothes look white, pray do put on your great coat that you may not run any danger. Again, it's like, I mean, you can kind of like, it's just, these people just didn't know how to talk back then. But you, but you basically followed. Like what she was trying to say.
0: You get.
1: I'm real judgy about Victorian era English.
0: It's stuff. just a lot. It's a, a lot. lot.
1: And basically, she she said like she knew about the armed patrols, and so that's what she was warning him. She's like, "There's people out there with guns. Like put yeah, on a great coat so fair. They don't look like the fucking ghost." Fair. But same like his family. He was just like, "Whatever." He blew them off, and so this was again. Man, this is like a little victim blaming to me, but it's basically saying like he should have known better than to go out dressed in white at night. Um, so he was, but it's also like his work clothes, right? I and mean, yeah, exactly. Like and sure, yeah, I don't know, put on a great coat, I guess, fine. But also, like, even if you're out there running around in a sheet, like people shouldn't be shooting at you. you know? True, true. So the jury at first, so this is where things get kind of kind of complicated. And apparently, this is a case that was like controversial in the british legal system for like 180 years okay so the jury first came back with a verdict of manslaughter because they said that smith's belief that he was in fact shooting the hammersmith ghost meant that he was not fully liable but then the judge whose uh name was lord chief baron sir archibald Macdonald, set aside the verdict and he told the jury you have to go back and do this again Because malice is not required for a guilty verdict, only an intent to kill, he said, quote, I should betray my duty and endure the public security if I did not persist in asserting that this is a clear case of murder, if the facts be proved to your satisfaction, all killing whatever amounts to murder, unless justified by the law or in self-defense. In cases of some involuntary acts or some sufficiently violent provocation, it becomes manslaughter. Not one of these circumstances occur here. Like this is different, I guess, than American Trials, where the judge can basically be like, No, this is the verdict you need to give. So go back and like give the verdict I'm telling you to give. Because basically he's saying, you know, Smith couldn't say he acted in self-defense because Millwood hadn't attacked him. He said, even if Millwood was the, the quote Hammersmith ghost, putting on a sheet and jumping out and scaring people is a prank. Yeah. Like does not mean you get to get shot in the face. Like that's that's yeah. a misdemeanor crime. He said yeah. it would have merited a small fine, not execution right he also couldn't have claimed to have fired on accident because and uh millwood heard him say like i will shoot you yeah so he announced his intention to shoot so basically what this judge judge mcdonald was saying is that his good character you know he had all these character witnesses his good character was irrelevant to the verdict they must either convict him of murder or quit him if they didn't believe he actually fired the gun but mm. it's like it was obvious he fired the gun so this essentially yeah. ensured a murder conviction so the jury came back with death sentence and this is like like pretty metal like the, the sentence was hanging and dissection that's <laughs> right?
0: too much
1: it's a little too much I mean I think what that means is they hang him and then they give him over to the, like the medical school to like I
0: see okay but we... it
1: just sound like the the fact that that's the verdict hanging and dissection like, you know.
0: it was like yeah. he's dead already we don't need <laughs> right we to... don't need to like desecrate the body but i'm fine with it if it's sorry if it's given to like medical research
1: yeah if it's for science it's fine desecrate desecrate that goes on the t-shirt if it's
0: for science it's fine (laughs) (laughs) we've got centuries of stuff to prove otherwise but the official the weirdest thing podcast stance is if it's for science It's, it's fine
1: it's good it's (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just knock yourself out. Yes. So he was sentenced to death. But then Judge McDonald, who basically said you have to convict him for murder, said, I'm going to go ahead and turn my report over to King George III. And basically recommended that King George commute the sentence. Because he, I think he was trying to do this, like, we have to follow the rule of law thing, which is, right. like, it's murder. But also, like, this guy really shouldn't be hanged. because Right.
0: It's it, it was an accident. It
1: was. Yeah, it was a mistake. And so the king immediately commuted this. Like, and it sounds like it was like that night the king commuted his sentence to a year of hard labor. Ooh, so. Okay. And then he actually in July. So this was all in January. In July of that year, he ended up receiving a full pardon from the king. Hmm, okay. This is king George Third, by the way um yep. The Madness of King George. Yep. Two days after uh, Thomas Muller was shot, the true, quote, ghost of Hammersmith came forward.
0: Oh, right, right, right. This is about a ghost. Yeah.
1: Okay. yeah. <laughs> so I say this is like spooky season adjacent. It's... Okay. So it was an elderly shoemaker named John Graham. He claimed he'd been pretending to be the ghost, jumping out and scaring people in white sheet. And his goal had been to scare his, apprentice, his apprentices because they had been... Scaring Graham's grandchildren with ghost stories, and he was like trying to get back at them. But why is he jumping out in front of like horses and shit?
0: Like he's like maybe on. they're on that wagon. Let's yeah. rock and roll. <laughs> no one is safe. Don't fuck with my grandkids.
1: I, apparently, yeah. So he was he was like sorry, my man, and like there was no record that he was ever punished. So I don't even think he was fined for it.
0: What? Wow. Duh.
1: So like I said, this is, this has been a, this was a controversial case in the English legal system for the next 180 years. Wow. And the issue was the question of how a mistaken belief can impact the self-defense plea. Mm. And, the, and whenever it would come up, this case was regularly cited over and over and over again. Wow. Finally, the point of law was settled by the, the Court of Appeals in 1984 with the case R.V. Williams, So in this case, the appellant, a guy named Gladstone Williams, again, this is 1984, so like just like 40 years ago.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: The appellant, Gladstone Williams, he was out bopping along down the street and he saw a man dragging a younger man violently along the street while the younger man screamed for help. So he was like, well, clearly an assault is taking place. This guy's attacking this younger guy. So he went and beat up the assailant like attacked him well it turns out the younger man was a thief and the assailant was trying to the quote-unquote assailant was trying to apprehend him hmm. so whoops um and this is another like i mean i almost want to say like good guy with a gun thing and like hey he didn't have a gun so all yeah, he could I mean, do is like yeah. punch him a couple
0: times I guess that's, huh? yeah i guess that's the thing is that he wasn't all
1: <laughs> yeah pew 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 yeah <laughs> um yeah no he just like went and punched the guy so he was convicted of assault occasionally actual bodily harm but he appealed the conviction and at the appeal the lord chief justice referred to the 180 year old debate he said quote the case raised issues of law which have been the subject of debate for more years than one likes to think about and the subject of more learned academic articles than one would care to read in an evening In a case of self-defense where self-defense or the prevention of crime is concerned, if the jury came to the conclusion that the defendants believed or may have believed that he was being attacked or that a crime was being committed and that force was necessary to protect himself or prevent the crime, then the prosecution have not proved their case. If, however, the defendant's alleged belief was mistaken, if the mistake was an unreasonable one, That may be a peaceful reason for coming to the conclusion that the belief was not honestly held and should be rejected. Even if the jury came to the conclusion that the mistake was an unreasonable one, if the defendant may genuinely have been laboring under it, he is entitled to rely upon it. So basically, and there's a lot of legal language there. Yeah. But basically what it's saying is if you genuinely believe this mistaken belief and you think that this warrants a violent response, you're, you're free and clear. Huh. So Williams' appeal was successful and the conviction was quashed. Hmm. And that's the way the law stands in the United Kingdom today. I think that's not great to be honest because i think that just allows i mean i think about like frankly like i think about like the george zimmers george zimmerman trayvon martin thing in this country you know it's like i believed he was a bad black kid so i shot him no that doesn't no like that that can't be that shouldn't be a way to get off right like i don't think I don't think Francis Smith should have shot Thomas Milwud in the face because he was wearing fucking bricklayer's clothes.
0: Right, but I do think that the guy in 1984 who was Mm -hmm. like, "Oh shit, I'm seeing somebody get beat up," like that's that feels more reasonable. Right, and it's one of those things that, like, if everybody is working in like good faith, you know, and like doesn't have access to deadly weapons all the fucking time, Mm -hmm. then maybe. But yeah, it mm, that's that's murky.
1: Yeah, it is murky. This is why it was this is why it was a question for 180 years. Wow. Um, I guess I err on the side of like not wanting to allow like vigilanteism, But it is tricky. It is tricky.
0: Yeah. So mm, that's the story okay. of the
1: Hammersmith ghost, which okay. like I said is turns out not that spooky, but I thought it was just sort of like an interesting uh kind of an interesting Legal case.
0: Very interesting. And again, I'm sorry that I kept laughing. <laughs>
1: That's weird. You're good. You're fine. I wasn't offended. Maybe the ghost of Thomas Melwood is like
0: Yeah, now he's gonna start haunting me. I'm gonna, and yeah. I'm gonna be like, Do you want me to shoot you again? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Stop. we should just leave it there.
0: <laughs> <sighs> okay, amazing. Uh well done on like a like you said, like a spooky adjacent story. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm excited because I've said this several times like during the show and today I actually do get to be your ghost host because mm-hmm. today I'm going to tell you about the history of the Haunted Mansion. Nice. Sources for this are Wikipedia, Smithsonian Magazine, um, a, a shit ton of Disney blogs, <laughs> but these are kind of the the most main ones. Mm. Long Forgotten Haunted Mansion, Undercover Tourist, and uh, um, oh, I guess that's it. Is that it? That's it. (laughs) Mental Floss, the LA Times, two videos, History of the Haunted Mansion, parts one and two from Alex the Historian. That's on YouTube. And then several YouTube Disney videos uh, by a creator named Anne Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Okay, so before we get into the Haunted Mansion, we need to talk a little bit about Disneyland. Mm-hmm. So the park opened in 1955, and the concept originated while Walt Disney was at Griffith Park with his daughters. He was watching them like go around on the carousel, and he was like, mm. wouldn't it be cool if there was like a place where parents and children could go and have fun and like I think that would be super awesome it was originally going to be called Mickey Mouse Park and Walt Disney took inspiration from places like Henry Ford's Museum and Greenfield Village this was in Dearborn, Michigan and it had like Mm -hmm. a main street and it had steamboat rides he also was inspired by Tivoli Gardens Knott's Mm. Berry Farm Colonial Williamsburg Mm. uh, Chicago's Century of Progress and the New new york world's fair um so he was like really looking to create like an amusement park with rides plus exhibitions plus gardens plus people doing like role play
1: you said this is the 1950s
0: yeah it so like
1: disney's like already a big thing
0: yeah like they they i think really started working on concepts for the park in the late 40s okay so he's got this idea. Walt is also getting letters from people who want to come and visit the studio, like mm. Disney studio. And he was like, yeah, but he was like, there's not like really anything to it's do like, at a movie studio.
1: I mean, it's a bunch of nerds like leaning over paper drawing things.
0: That was rude for you to call them <laughs> nerds. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, that's that's pretty much it. He's like, there's yeah, there's, like, not a lot that, like, there yeah. there is to do here. So he was like, well, what if we put a small play park with, like, themed areas and, like, a mm-hmm. boat ride in this eight-acre lot that was across Riverside Drive from the studio? Okay. And that was going to be Mickey Mouse yeah. Park. They quickly figured out that eight acres was nowhere near enough space. Yeah. So Walt Disney hired Harrison Price from the Stanford Research Institute to find the perfect place for a park that would allow for future growth. Mm-hmm. They settled on uh, 160 acres of orange and walnut groves in Anaheim and construction started on July 16th,
1: 1954. Well, I would guess like Anaheim back then would have, I mean, you already said it was like orange His groves. Crossing. It was going to be like super rural back
0: then. Yeah, it was, yeah, Groves. It was, you know, orange and walnut and all that kind of stuff. Um, Sidebar, the story of how Walt Disney got the land for Disney World in Florida is... A pretty cool
1: Mm.
0: story. Disney World was like, they basically were like, yeah, let's build Disneyland. And then they started planning for Disney World. I will say,
1: like, once you've been to Disney World, like Disneyland just doesn't quite measure up anymore. Like,
0: (laughs) did The so quick sidebar, and I can I'll get into a little like a little bit later, I'll talk about it more in depth. Walt Disney World, like I said, they started building Walt Disney World, and a Mm -hmm. big part of what Walt wanted for Disney World was what they called Epcot. And Epcot, if Mm -hmm. you know anything about Disney, it's in all capital letters and it stands for experimental prototype community of tomorrow. He wanted to build an actual city Mm -hmm. where like people lived and all that stuff.
1: Oh, interesting. Well, yeah,
0: like schools, cool. and and he wanted it to be a prototype community of tomorrow. Okay. When he died, the Imagineers were like, what do we do? And so yeah. they built walt disney world with all of the like i mean at the ta- at that time it was the magic kingdom and epcot really as mm. a memorial to walt's memory oh okay so they moved away from the experimental prototype community yeah. of tomorrow into like let's let's create essentially a year-round world's fair
1: right i mean i will say like i'm not a huge disney person but mm-hmm. epcot is pretty fucking cool
0: i, I love epcot i yeah. love epcot it's it's great. Okay. I was at the
1: best sushi of my life at Ep- Epcot.
0: There, the food at Epcot, mm. no lie, is yeah. so good. And the last, the last time I was there, I had gone during the food and wine festival. Mm. For get it. So good. <laughs> okay. So at some other point, I'll... I'll do a whole story about the Florida project, which is how Mm -hmm. they got the land for Disney World. But, okay, so they started construction on July 16th, 1954, and they opened it a year and a day later on July 17th, 1955.
1: Oh, wow. It only took a year.
0: Opening day was, by all accounts, a total fucking disaster. (laughs) And like really and truly, they gave out 14,000 tickets, 28,000 people showed up. Whoops. Yeah. Walt had hired a bunch of like Hollywood friends, including Ronald Reagan, Mm -hmm. to like basically be the anchors during the televised opening. One -hmm. of them, a guy named, I believe his name was Bob Cummings, who's an actor who's married like seven Mm times. He's married like five or six times. He got caught on camera, kissing one of the dancers, like a mess. (laughs) There was a, there was a plumber union strike. And so Uh. Walt had been told you can either have water in the water fountains or you can have flushing toilets. And he was like, I I mean, I guess I'll take the flushing toilets. Mm -hmm. And so then people got mad because there was no water in the water fountains. And they were Mm -hmm. like, you're just trying to get get us to buy more Pepsi because Pepsi was like the official drink of Disneyland. Uh. The asphalt hadn't like, cured yet so women's heels were like sinking into it as they like (laughs)
1: Like weird like quick sandy sidewalks
0: yeah people were literally like throwing their kids over the crowds to get them like onto the rides and stuff it was a mess
1: (laughs) yeah didn't plan that so well i guess
0: like apparently walt and his like senior executives internally referred to opening day as black sunday Mm, yeah they would eventually, not eventually, they did it the next day. They were like, sorry, redo, <laughs> come back on the 18th, let's do this again. Mm. And it like publicly they were like, no, the 18th was the opening of Disneyland, but there's so much like photographic and <laughs> uh, like video proof that they were like, oh, okay, now it's July the 17th. The 17th.
1: They tried point. to
0: memory hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Disneyland opened it, with five. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Uh, and then everybody was like, here are the receipts. And they were like, God-. <laughs> okay, fine. It was the 18th or the 17th. Okay, Disneyland opened with five areas. Mm-hmm. They were Main Street USA, which celebrated the small American towns of the earliest th- of the early 20th century, and it was modeled after like a typical American midwestern town of that mm-hmm. time. And then you had Adventureland, and that was based on like faraway exotic locales, modeled after the remote jungles of Africa, Asia, South America, Oceania, mm-hmm. and the Caribbean. Uh this is where you're going to find jungle cruise at like the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse, stuff like that. Yeah. You've got Frontierland which celebrated the American frontier of the 19th century, Fantasyland which was modeled after Disney's animated fairy tale movies,
1: okay. and then
0: Tomorrowland which explored views of the future. Walt was like, I don't want to say he was like obsessed, but I think he was fascinated with the future Mm -hmm. the more that you learn about him though it makes sense because he is he is sort of obsessed with the idea of possibility
1: Mm, right. Okay.
0: Okay. A cool fact about Disneyland's Frontierland: it was the home to a little restaurant called Casa de Fritos, a restaurant owned and operated by the Frito Company. Mm. It would be many people's first experience with Mexican food.
1: No, that seems like not the best experience with Mexican food.
0: Here's the thing, though: is that Disney, like in EPCOT, you know, there's like the World Showcase. Mm-hmm. And so there's all the different countries and Disney hires people from those countries to go and work there. So even,
1: so even at this Casa de Fritos, they were kind of doing that.
0: I think so. And it's clearly not going to be hard to find Mexican people in Florida in no in California.
1: Yeah. Sorry. California.
0: Right. At that time. So they were like, we make this work. You could get two enchiladas for 45 cents. Mm. Just saying. Mm. At any rate, the restaurant had an abundance of old tortillas, and taking inspiration from Mexican totopos, they cut the tortillas, fried them, added basic seasoning, and the Dorito was born. Oh. Yep, Doritos are a Disneyland invention. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. There's also a railroad that was originally called the Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad that encircles the majority of the park. We're going to get back to that railroad a little later. Mm -hmm. So the Haunted Mansion When they had done the original Like five lands They saw that there was this like Empty space between Frontierland And Adventureland So plans were made in the the late 1950s To create this like New Orleans Square In that space And this was actually Disneyland's first expansion Of which there would go on To be many So New Orleans Square is not so much as a square as it is a series of streets that like weave around shops and restaurants. Mm -hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean is there. Uh, And it is also would be, it would be the home of the Haunted Mansion. The show buildings, and I'll get back to that later. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, New Orleans Square also once housed the only overnight accommodations in the park that were open to the public. And that was the Disneyland Dream Suite if you know anything about Disneyland, Walt built an apartment into the fire station building on Main Street mm. so that he could stay at the park when they were working on it. Mm. Is it. Yeah, I'm sure it was a bit of a haul to get back between Anaheim and That makes sense. That totally
1: makes sense. Yeah. Anaheim's not super close to LA.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's what, like an hour away at least? Something like
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. It's down in Orange County.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh after the park was built and finished, Walt and his family would like use it as like a a private residence when they when they visited the park. So Imagineers had planned for the square to have like a thieves market and this like pirate wax museum and Mm -hmm. Walt really, really wanted a haunted house. Mm -hmm. And like the idea for what would become the Haunted Mansion was actually being planned before Disneyland became a reality. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I said, he wanted this haunted house that would be in his mind, a retirement home for all of the world's ghosts. Oh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This is a direct quote. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is a direct quote from a quote from Walt Disney. He says the nature of being a ghost is that they have to perform. Therefore they need an audience. So Mm -hmm. he was like, let's give them a place to do that. Yeah. Disney legend, uh, Harper Goff, he created the effects for 20,000 leagues under the sea and he art directed Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original. Mm -hmm. He was like, yeah, 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 we can do this. And he drew up a little black and white sketch of a small town church with a horse and buggy in front of it. And then this little like road that led up to this like very adorably spooky haunted house on the hill. Right. I think the original idea was that Main Street USA would end with this haunted house. This is like, mm-hmm. you know, before they started doing any actual work on it. Right. Walt loved the sketch that Goff did. And he is like, yes, let's do this. And he hands the project to Imagineer Ken Anderson for him to design the story. Now, I've been throwing this word around a lot, Imagineer. Mm. They are the research and development side of the Walt Disney Company. They are responsible for the creation, design, and construction of Disney theme parks. Mm. I was talking to you about this. I am in love with them and their principles. But again, that is like a whole Mm -hmm. other story. Yeah. So Ken Anderson comes up with a bunch of backstories for the house. You know, he's like, ooh, what if it's this house that belonged to a pirate named Black Bart who, like, murders his wife because she gets two nosed? It's similar to, like, the Blackbeard. Uh,
1: uh, Bluebeard, yeah.
0: Bluebeard, yeah. The Bluebeard thing of, like, a wife who is, like, goes looking around and then, you know, finds something. And so the the guy ends up killing her. Uh, There was another story, another storyline that was that the entire house had been picked up whole and moved from New Orleans because a family had died. Like, the entire Entire family Mm. had died in the house and they were all, you know, had been transported to California to get a a new life, but all of the ghosts were still in there. Mm -hmm. And they came up with a bunch of ideas like this, because of course the story, like the ride has to have a story, right? right? It has to have like a narrative. So Anderson is off to the races. His area of expertise is the thrilling and frightening. So he had designed the Snow White and Mr. Toad rides. And I don't (laughs) know. Snow White is creepy. Snow White is scary. And I don't know if anybody the Mr. Toad ride got replaced by the Winnie the Pooh ride. At mm. least I know I know for a fact that's true in Florida. I believe it was the same. But Mr. Toad's wild ride it was in fact a wild ride. It was like a psychedelic trippy. I kind, I kind ride. of remember that
1: from when I was a kid. Yeah,
0: yeah like it was real, it was, it didn't feel dissimilar to the boat ride in Willy Wonka.
1: Mm. Yeah, that you're
0: okay. like, what is this? yeah what is this, you know? Right. So Anderson goes to New England and to the American South to check out the architecture, and he finally lands on the Shipley Leideker House, which is in Baltimore. And he like he takes inspiration from from that house. And if mm-hmm. you look at it, it looks very much like what Disneyland's Haunted Mansion looks okay. like. So he designs an antebellum home with features from the Shipley Leideker home, and his original design looked like a haunted mansion. It was run down. It was surrounded by like dead trees and weeds Mm. there was bats all over the place the windows and doors were boarded up and he shows the design to walt disney and disney Mm. is like no Mm. to set the stage it's 1958 and disneyland is only three years old Mm. and it is still trying to distance itself from other american amusement parks that are like run down and dilapidated. Mm -hmm. So he was very, very adamant that he always wanted everything in Disneyland to look brand new and pristine
1: so even the creepy haunted mansion even
0: the creepy haunted house he loved the architecture style of the building but he wanted the outside to match the rest of disneyland he actually said quote we'll take care of the outside and let the ghosts take care of the inside
1: Mm. okay i can kind of follow with that also yeah i mean it is he's not wrong like it's it's a cliche to have the like the dilapidated boarded up windows like yeah that's like every haunted house I've ever seen. So.
0: And it's one of the Imagineer principles, which mm-hmm. I'm not going to get it verbatim, but it's basically like we don't ever let things fall apart. Right. We fix things, we rework them, everything looks as good as it can possibly look. Interesting. Yeah. And I think if you have a structure like that that looks dilapidated, it's going to be real easy to be like, well, oh, it just adds to it for that, like for us to not mm-hmm. take care of that. Sure. I don't think that would ever fucking actually happen, yeah. but that's what Disney was thinking. Right. So by 1959, at this point, the park has been open for four years. Uh, two Imagineers called these are great names, Raleigh Crump. And Mm. Yale Gracie, they Mm. were in charge of creating illusions for attractions. They had completed a scaled mock-up of the Haunted Mansion. Mm. It was originally conceived as a walkthrough attraction. Mm. And it was gonna feature transparent ghosts and coffin clocks and like man-eating plants and this like mirror with a face and all sorts of stuff. But again, there was like no real plot. And going back to the the principles of the imagineers, mm. one of the main principles. Is it all begins with a story. Right. So Which they're is like one thing,
1: by the way, I do appreciate about Disneyland rides is that there was always some, like I remember even the Matterhorn kind of had like a narrative to it,
0: you know. Yeah. One of my favorite examples of that is Expedition Everest. At Animal Kingdom at Walt mm. Disney World, because this the story of it is is that there was an expedition that went up to Everest and they disappeared, mm. and that like their camping gear and stuff was found, and there was even a camera, and they were able to pull two like it was a camera that had opened, and they were able to like pull just two photographs from the camera roll, well, so and so
1: the love Pass, kind
0: of. yeah, and yeah. so as you go through the line you You walk into what looks to be an Everest expedition touring business Mm -hmm. and it's got like, you know, like the Tibetan flags and stuff all over the place. And you're looking Mm -hmm. through and then it starts going through the history of it. And they have like the exhibit where they have the camera that's been like clawed open Mm -hmm. and like the two like blurry photos Mm -hmm. where you can like kind of see the about like the Yeti in like a corner. Mm -hmm. It sets up the ride. So beautifully.
1: That is cool. Yeah. I've never seen that. I've never done that one, but that sounds really cool.
0: It's so great. Another one, which the ride no longer exists, but another one that had a really great narrative was the Tower of Terror Mm -hmm. haunted hotel, all of that thing, you know, Mm -hmm. abandoned hotel lobby. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, main principles it all begins with a story. Walt also wanted a restaurant side to the attraction that would be called the Museum of the Weird. Mm. And it was supposed to be a companion restaurant to the attraction the way that, again, for any Disney files out there, the way that the Blue Bayou is for Pirates of the Caribbean. Right.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So... (laughs) Crump and Gracie actually, like they're working and working and they're doing this stuff and they're trying to figure out how to make these effects and they're doing this and they had been given like a big warehouse in which to do this and where they had like set up all of their stuff Mm -hmm. and they actually ended up spooking the janitors who (laughs) had come in one night to clean because there were these like motion sensor ghosts and it's Mm. unclear whether or not they were motion sensor ghosts or if Crump and Gracie were like, we're going to mess a, with people a little yeah. bit <laughs> but they came in the next morning to like a broom by itself in the floor and the janitorial staff was like you clean your own shit from now on. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they were like shit okay fine all right fair enough fair enough so the exterior the show building essentially for the haunted mansion was completed in 1963 but work on the attraction was halted due to disney's involvement in the 1964-65 new york world's fair Mm. and then in 1966 walt died Mm. and this was like i was reading some stuff about it and like so his brother Roy came out of retirement to basically take over as CEO of like Walt right. Disney Productions and everybody was like what do we do like how mm. do we do this mm. and like Epcot like I said was like an right. idea at the right. time and like not a fully formed one either right. clearly cuz right. like I said he was like it'll be a like a futuristic town and everybody was like wait how
1: <laughs> that's a lot Walt. yeah
0: but they all got together and they were like we're going to do this. Like we're going to take everything that we knew from Walt. We all have all of his principles and ideals like instilled in us and we're going to move forward to the best of our abilities. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like I said, Epcot became the sort of like permanent world's fair. So that's what happens. They're all like, okay, we got to keep trucking. Like we got to do this for Walt. Imagineers Mark Davis and Claude Coates had been handled the project after Ken Anderson moved on to something else, but Davis and Coates couldn't agree on like the Mood of the attraction. Mm -hmm. Coates wanted something spooky, while Davis wanted an attraction full of like silly ghosts and sight gags. Mm -hmm. Legendary Imagineer X Atencio, he did a lot of stuff. He was, um, he would basically write the scripts for the rides Mm -hmm. and he would, uh, he was a lyricist. So he wrote the lyrics to, I think it's Grim, Grinning Ghosts, which is like the Right. You know, uh, but he would write the lyrics for like the attraction songs and stuff. He came in and he was like, why don't you just do both? Yeah. Like, why don't you start it spooky and then move it into this like spirited right. entertainment type of thing? And they were right. like, oh, okay. In the wake of Walt's death, the Imagineers also got to work on tidying up the concept. So mm-hmm. they were like, mm, we don't need the restaurant. Like, okay. let's get rid of that. And they were like, we don't know that making it a walk-through attraction is actually the best idea. They'd even mm-hmm. considered basically building like two vert, like not versions, but two identical rides, so they could have double the people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And they were like, uh, "We still don't think that's it. We still don't think that's it." Yeah. They knew that there was a better solution out there. Enter the Goobertron. It's actually not called <laughs> the Goobertron. That's what I called it uh, when I was at
1: <laughs> Disney World
0: <laughs> with. My ex boyfriend, and he was like, Can you please stop calling it the Givertron? And I was like, Okay. Okay. So it's actually called an Mm Omnimover. In 1967, Roger Brogy and Bert Brundage, I think those names, I think I'm saying those right, they developed the Omnimover from something that had been at the New York World's Fair that was the People Mover. And Mm -hmm. I think at the World's Fair, it was cars that were basically on a track that, you know, you would just get in them and they would go co- right. continuously moving. So the Omnimover is a continuously moving ride system that has the ability to swivel each car 360 degrees so that the riders would see what the designers intended them to see. It's a continuous loader and yep. they're all over the Disney parks right. It means riders barely have to wait To board the ride As an endless supply of cars is, mm-hmm. Are always coming right. um, At the Haunted Mansion The Omni Movers were renamed Doom Buggies And <laughs> they they fit One to three people To add to the sense that you're like Wandering through the mansion alone mm-hmm. Okay, There's a lot to geek out With the Doom Buggies about Like they have their own sound system so so you are individually hearing the ride I as you, yeah. as you go through it. And like, it's bunches of 20 cars and then there's pairs of two. So like one and two are the same channel, three and four, are same channel, et cetera. Right. So that everything is like perfectly timed so that you're mm-hmm. not hearing like the ride, the ride isn't being spoiled and you're not hearing what you've already seen. Right. Right. <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff. I'm not I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> okay, so the actual ride itself. Imagineers uh, realized that they were in a bit of a pickle with the Haunted Mansion because the exterior that the people saw is not where the ride would actually take place. Like the little house mm-hmm. and you know, I don't know if you know this, Disney buildings are built with forced perspective right. so they get smaller as they go up to make them look we're bigger. Big. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so like there's no way they couldn't build to ride in in the little teeny house so mm. they were like we're gonna have to go outside of the bounds of the actual park mm. to do this so you've got the house but the disney railroad is right behind the show building okay so they were like uh okay so what they decided to do was build a tunnel under the railroad Mm. that would lead guests into the giant warehouse where the ride took place and the stretching room Mm -hmm. at Disney at Disneyland is actually an elevator that takes you down into the tunnel. I kind of remember that yeah. And it's not an elevator at Walt Disney World and apparently part of the reason why they were like well let's start the ghost host stuff there is because they were like his voiceover will help to like hide the sounds of the mechanics like <laughs> of the elevator of a giant elevator going down right. eight feet I think right. it's 12 feet so yeah so they go down 12 feet they exit they cross underneath the railroad and then go into basically the ride warehouse
1: I do remember I never really thought that much about the geography of it but I do remember entering like the house part and then you get on the ride and it's like this thing goes for fucking ever like you know it just felt which like added to the like weird spookiness of it you
0: now. yeah and that's all done by design you mm. know what I mean like it's all right. done in a way so that you're like am I am I in this house how big is this house right another really cool example of how they do stuff to sort of like <laughs> like <laughs> disorientate you a little bit is Space Mountain is actually a very slow roller coaster. Mm -hmm. But it's in the dark. Right. right, So it feels super fast. Right. I think my ex said that he, is this right? That he had ridden it with the lights on? And he was like, it's so slow. Like, it's like- I think maybe like something happened and like the lights came on. Mm -hmm. And so they had to like, you know, whatever. He was like, it's (laughs) so slow.
1: Also, probably didn't look like anything. Like lights on Space Mountain is just super
0: goofy because it's it there's black light stuff in there, right? Right. But like if you see it with the lights on, you're like, what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is cheesy. Yeah. But turn the lights off. And suddenly you've got a great ride.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love Space Mountain. Yeah.
0: Love Space Mountain. Love, love, love Space Mountain. Mm. So, okay. It was clear in 1963 that like, even though they had built the facade of the house, that it was going to take quite a bit more time for them to get to the actual ride. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said, they've got this whole thing of like the World's Fair, Walt dies, all of this stuff, but they had built the exterior. And so they were like, shit, what do we do? In true Imagineer fashion and in wanting to create a story to explain the delay, Imagineer Marty Sklar created a notice sign to place outside of the ride. And it read, quote, notice all ghosts and restless spirits post lifetime leases are now available in this haunted mansion. <laughs> Don't be left out in the sunshine. Enjoy Active retirement in this country club atmosphere. The fashionable address for fashionable ghosts, ghosts trying to make a name for themselves, mm. and ghosts afraid to live by themselves. <laughs> Leases include license to scare the living daylights out of guests visiting the Portrait Gallery, Museum of the Supernatural, Graveyard, and other happy haunting grounds. For mm. reservations, send resume of past experience to Ghost Relations Department, Disneyland please exclamation point do not apply in person (laughs) and it was out there for years yeah and people were like okay Mm -hmm. something's coming yeah so the haunted mansion ended up being the rare disney ride that does not really have a plot
1: yeah it's got like a setup but then like it's
0: really just like look at all these ghosts
1: right (laughs) i feel like i remember dancing skeletons or something I mean,
0: I'm trying to to think if there are dancing skeletons because I was about to be like, no. And then I was like, there might be, there Mm. might be some in the graveyard. So Imagineers considered like several storylines, which I was telling you about earlier, but they eventually were like, you know what? The writers are going to best- They're going to be best served by using their own imaginations to Mm -hmm. string together the scenes of the ride. And if you do a Google search of what is the plot of Disney, of the Haunted Mansion ride, you get everything from like, you've died to like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like (laughs) all sorts of stuff. I kind of love that. I kind of love
1: that. Yeah. Leave it open-ended. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so super cool. And I also just like that they were like, this is not at all what we do. Mm -hmm. That's part of like why I'm obsessed with the Imagineers. Because they have these principles, they know where they can abandon one principle in service Mm -hmm. to another. Right, right. You know, it's not this like hard and fast rule book that you have to follow. It's Mm -hmm. these guiding things that you go, I know that everything is supposed to like start with a story, Mm -hmm. but- I think the ride will actually be really great if it doesn't have one. So, of course, like all Disney rides, it begins before you even step foot inside of the mansion. Guests enter through a garden with a pet cemetery with a carriage led by an invisible horse. Again, we are Mm -hmm. talking about Disneyland. Disney World's Haunted Mansion is different. You actually pass through like a private graveyard.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've done both. and I do remember they were kind of different.
0: We went to Disneyland when I was little. And I know that I was little because two parts of the ride fucking terrified me. (laughs) Like, I was like... (laughs) But then after that, I've only done Disney World Okay, so enter through the pet cemetery Carriage, invisible horse Once you were inside, you were introduced to the voice of your ghost host in the foyer You were Mm -hmm. instructed to enter the mansion's art gallery Which houses four portraits of people from the chest up And they are an elderly woman, a bearded man, a woman with a parasol And a man with crossed arms At this point, when the elevator Mm -hmm. starts to go down, the portraits stretch
1: Right, right, I remember
0: that And the ghost host tells you basically is like find a way out because there are no like if you'll notice there are no doors or windows Mm -hmm. and at that point you (laughs) you uh like once the portraits reveal they're like grim subjects like the girl with the parasol is on like a tightrope that's fraying and there's like a crocodile with like open jaws Mm -hmm. waiting to eat her up all that kind of stuff the one of the dudes is like sinking he's on shoulders of shoulders and they're sinking into quicksand quicksand. but once they reveal their grim subjects the ghost host tells you that you can always take his out at which time lightning flashes and you can see through the ceiling into the cup- cupola 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 mm-hmm. where the ghost host skeleton hangs from the rafters from the noose this is the first thing that scared the ever-loving daylights out of me <laughs> i can imagine yeah yeah because he's like in clothes and stuff and it's it's morbid it's morbid to I be mean, like you can go out the way i went out which is to kill myself
1: yeah i mean i think the first time i remember doing the Haunted mansion i was actually a teenager i went with my dad because my mom we went out to la because my mom had like a work thing so it was just mm-hmm. me and my dad fucking around la for a week and so it's just the two of us went to disneyland and i remember nice. doing the haunted mansion as a teenager who was already super into horror stuff yeah and being like particularly the, the beginning part of it being like this is more fucked up than i expected and, yeah. like being impressed and then i did it at um disney world a few years later and kind of the same thing i was like this is like they they, they actually don't pull punches at first
0: you know? no and it is and like I think it's brilliantly done in that mm-hmm. way. Apparently, also, if you have little ones that you're like, they're gonna be fucking terrified of this. You can actually talk to what are they called? They're not impl- team members. You can call, mm-hmm. you can talk to a team member and be like, hey, can we skip that? And they'll be like, mm-hmm, and they'll just take you in. Yeah, the other thing. Also, interestingly enough, if you are in a wheelchair at Disneyland, you exit the ride back up through the elevator. No, oh, interesting. There, but there's no, there's no just, voiceover, just and, pe- like, and people who have done it said that it's loud as hell. <laughs> that you can just hear like of the elevator going up.
1: <laughs> At that point, they're like rides over. Get out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, if you know, like one of my favorite things about the Disney parks is that the team members are always in character. Mm-hmm. So they'll, you know They won't be like rides over, they'll be like goodbye. And you're (laughs) like, oh my God, okay. All right, I get it. Sidebar, it is believed that the ghost host is actually the ghost of Master Gracie, who is named after Yale Gracie. Mm. The voice is provided by actor Paul Freeze. And Mm. if like as you're entering, you'll see stuff. I think you'll see something about Master Gracie in the like, I don't know, a plaque or a tombstone or something. Okay. So the walls finally open up and the guests head down this like spooky. Portrait corridor to the Doom buggy loading area, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I believe if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, as you were getting into your Doom buggy, you were told that the mansion holds 999 ghosts, but that there's Mm -hmm. always room for one more. Mm -hmm. I remember that there is a lot in the haunted mansion, and I'm not going to go through like a moment by moment thing Mm -hmm. of it. If you have never been in the haunted mansion, there is a video of every single version of the Haunted Mansion on YouTube. Mm. You can go and look it up. And it bas- it's, it's somebody in the doom buggy with a camera, and it has to be sanctioned. Like, it has to yeah. be stuff that they were like, I have a YouTube channel, it's for promotions. Right. Because they do the whole fucking ride. Yeah. Okay, so- I'm not going to go through it, but a couple of cool standout things. You enter a seance circle with Madame Leota. She is a disembodied head floating around the room in a crystal ball. She's mm-hmm. the mansion's resident psychic and her presence is a cool bit of Disney magic brought to life for all of the ghosts in there. There's a lot of theories about like who she was during her lifetime. I saw mm-hmm. stuff that it was like, she was a witch in Salem and I don't know all this stuff, <laughs> but all of that to say when the, or when the ride was, originally created it was a crystal ball on the table and the crystal ball now floats through the room Mm -hmm. it's done using like mini projectors and stuff it's yeah yeah, it's it's pretty cool. The next part of note is one of my favorite parts of the ride, and it's called the it's the ghost ball area. It's mm-hmm. a big ballroom. So ghosts pass this big ballroom and it's full of partying ghosts. If you look down in one corner, you can see that a hearse has crashed through.
1: <laughs>
0: the wall and that's like all of the spirits are like coming into the ballroom from mm-hmm. there there are several pairs of dancing ghosts there's a long table with lots of ghost guests watching a red-headed ghost blow out her birthday candles there's some hard partying ghosts swinging from the chandelier there's a ghost playing a big organ mm-hmm it's a really cool thing, and yeah. it was it was one of those things that when I would go with this ex, he was always like, "How did they do this?" And it's an effect. It's an it's actually an old theatrical effect from the 1800s called Pepper's Ghost. So as you are riding through, like as you are riding the ride. The Doom Mm. Buggy is going along and you've got the ballroom, an actual physical ballroom down below. And then directly above and directly below the Doom Buggies are the animatronics. Mm. And they're being lit and therefore projected into the room that way.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: yeah yeah so they're there, and everything is really happening. It's just happening directly above you or below you. And if you want to see something super goofy, just look for pictures of the ghost ball ghosts because <laughs> they're all painted blue and stuff, and a lot of them are just they're identical versions of people that you see in like Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff. <laughs> Painted blue. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're brightly lit. Their images are reflected onto the floor to ceiling glass wall that is directly in front of the Doom Buggies. Mm-hmm. And boom, you've got ghosts. Yeah. Originally, a ghostly bride with a glowing red heart was seen in the ride, but little was known of her story. Mm. In 2014, I believe, she got flushed out with a bit more inspiration from Mark Davis's. Mark Davis did all of this killer wife concept art Mm. and so he would draw like a picture of a couple together and then like an identical one but like she's strangling the husband (laughs) like all of this stuff so they were like what if we did something with that and that led to the creation of Constance Hatchaway. away so once you reach the attic of the ride you see decorations from all of her weddings like it's like bunting that says like congratulations Mm. frank and constance like 1878 and all of this stuff and you see all of like her husband's stuff like there's like the full place settings from the wedding and all this stuff and there's always a portrait like a wedding portrait Mm -hmm. and as you pass by the portraits the guy's head will disappear Mm-hmm. And another, like, cool little Easter egg is that with each portrait, Constance's jewelry becomes, like, more and more elaborate. Oh, okay. She's marrying for money. Um, <laughs> clearly. As you are about to exit the attic, you see Constance's wedding dress on a dress form, and it's been possessed by the spirit of Constance. In her hands, she's holding a bouquet that transforms into an axe. Ooh,
1: nice. Yeah this is all like kind of new stuff because I don't remember this
0: yeah at 2014 okay um, yeah. and she's sitting there and she's like reciting her vows as like the bouquet turns like into an axe nice It's creepy
1: yeah
0: <laughs> there was something apparently called I think it was called the ghost post. And I don't remember when it came out, sometime after, I guess, around or after 2014 when they put her in there. And basically what it was is that you could sign up to get mail from the Haunted Mansion.
1: Oh, oh, that sounds fun.
0: Yeah. So subscription, limited number. Of course, they sold out immediately. But, of course, people were like, I'm going to videotape my unboxing and throw it up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And they did get – they got – like there was cool stuff in there that was like – wedding invitations to Constance's like various weddings and it was Mm. thing like if you got the paper wet you could see like I think it was like the death certificate of her husband's or something Mm. like that yeah like all of this cool stuff you learn more about the husbands apparently there's also a video game where you found out more about them Okay, again unboxing videos exist on the YouTube and you can check them out there as you exit the ride you see three hitchhiking ghosts and you are warned about ghosts trying to follow you home. This is the second thing that scared the ever loving daylights. <laughs> of me. Your doom buggy passes a wall of mirrors, what you believe to be mirrors, and you see that a ghost has indeed hitched a ride in your buggy. I
1: remember that very vividly. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, interesting thing about this, it is not, they're they're, they're not mirrors, they are windows. And what you're Um, seeing is it's like the busts of these ghosts and they basically, it's like an oval of them and they basically just go around this circle like progressing as you do, mm. as you like pass the windows. The effect was originally meant to be that you would like your doom buggy would turn around and you, all of the humans had been completely replaced by ghosts. Mm -hmm. But no matter what way they did it, There was always the reflection of the people in the glass. So so
1: they were like, let's just work with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the Imagineers were like, well, fuck it. Let's just go with it Yeah, again. I just like, I love 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 the adaptability.
1: I love how kind of simple and practical a lot of the effects are. Mm hmm
0: yeah and i think that's the like like there is some stuff in there that is truly like i said they're building like mini projectors they're Mm -hmm. going with like high-tech technology but then other stuff is like you know theater effects from the 1800s
1: right well it almost reminds me of like um the movies of uh george Milliez. you know was the uh guy who did like a silent filmmaker did like voyage to the moon and stuff because it was all i mean if you've ever seen that smashing pumpkins video from the 90s it's like yeah. taken very much from his stuff, but yeah. it was all like in-camera effect type Yeah, stuff, you know, and just like very like carefully choreographed kind of stuff. And like, I love that. You know, yeah. Don't just use a bunch of computers and stuff, but actually like use some ingenuity.
0: And that, yeah, that's what I think is interesting about this is that with all of the technology that now exists, they probably could have recreated the ghost ballroom. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and they're like, no, we're something.
0: still just using Pepper's ghost. Like yeah. it works. There's literally no reason to change it.
1: Yeah, but they broke, don't fix it.
0: Yeah, and they've updated other things. Like, I think the Doom buggies, the sound systems are now RFID. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how they're, like, matched. So Mm -hmm. that has something to do with that. I don't know what RFID is, so...
1: (coughs) I've heard of it, I don't know.
0: Yeah. So they've, like, clearly updated things where they needed to be updated. Right. But only in service to be, like, it could be done better with this particular...
1: Right, augmented rather than... Yeah.
0: yes exactly
1: like i think about in the 90s they re released all the like star wars movies with all this new cgi and it was just like why is just every scene there's some fucking alien in the background like going like making noise or flopping around and then they did the exorcist and all they did is like remove some wires and stuff you know oh
0: interesting
1: like there was one scene it was the spider walking scene that they couldn't get in the original because they couldn't hide the wires and so they're like well let's just get rid of the wires and so it's just like Let's just do just enough to like. Yeah.
0: And I like, I I love that it's like super practical mm-hmm. analog right. solutions. And then also like super high tech stuff as well. Right. I just, I think it's cool. Lastly, although he's not last in the ride, the hat box ghost. Mm. This is a cool story. So he was part of the original ride, but he quickly disappeared after, uh, like shortly after the attraction opened in 1960. 19- nine he is an elderly male ghost wearing a top hat and he's carrying a glass hat box mm. his head disappears from his body and reappears in the box
1: okay i think i remember that. yeah
0: so interesting thing about this stories vary there are some people who are like no i know i saw the hat box ghost mm-hmm. and disney employees and stuff are like uh i mean we think it was like weeks maybe even days after the attraction opened that we got rid of him because he just wasn't working right like mm. the effect never was like pulled off to like Imagineer standards so he was there a short amount of time but everybody was like no i remember seeing the hatbox ghost
1: oh that's because i kind of it sounds familiar but it's like very mandela effect kind of
0: thing yeah part of the reason that that is is because the hatbox ghost showed up on all sorts of haunted mansion merchandise. Oh,
1: mm-hmm. that's, that's people, probably what it's at.
0: Yeah. And but people were always like, "Okay, cool," but like, when are you bringing back the actual hatbox ghost? Mm-hmm. And there were tons of people who were like, "I've never seen this ghost in the haunted mansion. Like, what is it?" Finally, in twenty twenty, I'm sorry, twenty twenty five. In twenty fifteen, mm. he was finally brought back to the Disneyland attraction, much to everybody's excitement. And he will actually join the ghosts at Walt Disney World's Haunted Mansion next month.
1: Okay. Cool. Yes.
0: So everybody's super excited about him. I did see something that was like, sometimes he works, sometimes he doesn't. Because <laughs> apparently the head, there's a mini projector, I think, inside of the head. Mm-hmm. And the head, like, you know, he's got like this coat and a top hat. And I think he's got like a, a skeleton mm-hmm. body maybe. And the head actually drops down into the body when the head appears in the hat box.
1: I mean, that's kind of what I remember, so I feel like I have to have seen a video of it or something.
0: Yep. Nope. He's never been around, unless you were there in 1969.
1: (laughs) Yeah, which, I mean, as we know, I was not, so...
0: Uh, I'm excited that he's going to join the, uh, Disney World Haunted Mansion soon. Mm -hmm. Okay. So to wrap up, the Haunted Mansion appears at every Disney property around the world, but with some changes, the Haunted Mansion is located in Liberty Square at Walt Disney World, in Fantasyland at Tokyo Disneyland, in Frontierland at Disneyland Paris, where it's actually known as the Phantom Manor, Mm. and at Hong Kong Disneyland, where it is known as Mystic Manor. Okay. The ride has been updated many times throughout the years, and it is now actually taken over by the Nightmare Before Christmas for the holidays. Oh, okay. Uh, so they do like a whole Nightmare Before Christmas overlay onto the exterior and all that stuff. Oh,
1: that's kind of fun. That'd be fun mm-hmm. to see it once.
0: Yeah. The holidays at Disney are like really lovely. Just mm-hmm. going to say that. The Doom buggies can transport 2,500 guests per hour. Wow. Yeah. So- Just, I was like trying to do the math on it. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to math right
1: now.
0: (laughs) Lisa Morton, who is the author of a book called Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween, said, quote, what made the Haunted Mansion so successful and so influential, however, was not its similarity to haunted houses and dark rides. That is tawdry carnival haunted houses of the past, but its use of startling new technologies and effects. Ghosts were no longer simply sheets hung in a tree, but Mm -hmm. were instead actual sheets shimmering translucent figures that moved spoke and sang which wasn't just a rubber mask figure bent over a fake cauldron but a completely realistic bodiless head floating in a crystal ball conducting a complex seance and mm. that is the tumultuous and thrilling history of one of disney's most popular rides ever the haunted mansion
1: I mean, the haunted mansion is super fucking cool like
0: it's real cool it's real fun
1: it, like i remember doing like i like i said i remember being impressed by how like it does start off creepy and and it is interesting like you talked about it like as you go through it then it gets kind of fun and bouncy but i remember like just all the and it's interesting how practical the effects are but like i mean they feel like ghosts they look like ghosts you know it's not yeah it's not like a guy in a rubber suit or something right
0: yeah and it's it is the animatronics and stuff throughout disney world i know people have a lot of ideas and theories about walt disney and disney as like a corporation and i'm not necessarily here to argue any of that stuff and at the same time just the vision that he had and like Mm -hmm. the ambition that he had right i think that it's something to like take into account Mm -hmm. yeah and you know he was 65 when he died and he uh Yeah, he had lung cancer, and he went things, quick.
1: Probably like a smoker.
0: Yeah. yeah, and from what I heard, he smoked three packs a day. Ooh, damn. but interest like this is this is another thing that I think is interesting, and I think they may have touched on this a little bit in the um, oh, what was the movie about the woman who wrote Mary Poppins?
1: Oh, I know, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it.
0: Something, Mr. Banks. Right. right. Yeah, I think they touched on it a little bit in that movie. But people who knew Walt were like, there was Walt Disney, and then there was Walt. Mm -hmm. And so he would always say, he would say, Walt Disney doesn't smoke. I smoke. Mm-hmm. Walt Disney doesn't smoke. No. And so he like would hide, like not hide it, but he never wanted to be photographed in the parks smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like, he never wanted to appear as Walt Disney as a smoker. And so mm. in November of 65, he'd had this cough for years. And I think he finally like went and got it checked out and they were like, Ooh. no, what happened was he'd had a back injury. Like his entire life um, that bothered him, and he went in for surgery. And in doing the pre-op X-rays, they found the lung cancer, and they were like,
1: "It was super advanced
0: at that point." Yeah, and they tried cobalt therapy on it, but it was just—it was too late. And there's a very interesting story about the last note that Walt Disney wrote before he went into the hospital, and like he—he ended up passing away in that stay in the hospital but it was this it was like it's kind of gibberish i mean it's not gibberish it's just it's not clear what he was writing down but one of Mm. the things on there was kurt russell Hmm.
1: (laughs) that's interesting
0: well because kurt
1: russell started as a child star at disney
0: yeah and i think he was about 15 at the time of walt disney's death and people are like there was probably something that he was thinking about and he wanted to make sure that like Mm. russell got scene for the movie or you know he wanted him in in the role or whatever but yeah there's just like there's i guess also like walt was like painfully shy and like very reserved but he had Mm. this like persona of uncle walt that was like america's uncle you know yeah lots of like really really interesting stuff he is not cryogenically frozen he was cremated
1: Mm. um (laughs) dispel that
0: dispel yeah. that and apparently you know he was rumored to have been like a raging anti-semite and a raging racist and he was not there are definitely some things that point to him being like racially insensitive yeah but in terms of like the anti-semitic stuff like he free he donated large amounts of money to like jewish charities and organizations. i've, I've read
1: that like i've read a couple things kind of debunking that
0: you yeah know? i mean like
1: henry ford genuinely was you know, genuinely
0: but,
1: yes Of you know, disney like.
0: yeah apparently there was a so the reason that that rumor started is because he gave a tour to disney studios he gave a tour of disney studios to this woman who was a nazi propagandist
1: mm. uh loney style probably yes yeah
0: and three months after that he was like my bad I didn't. Mm. I had no idea.
1: Well, and I mean, I'm not going to like spend a lot of time on it, but like Lenny Riefenstahl is like an interesting story in and of herself because she's considered one of the like the great filmmakers of all time, except she was a Nazi propagandist. Yeah. You know? So it's like, yeah. But at the time, she was super respected worldwide. So it's like, that's not enough to brand him an anti Semitic.
0: Well, and apparently he had, there was an Imagineer named, um, was it it an Imagineer or was it an animator? I can't remember. Probably an animator. And I think his name was Art Babbitt, Jewish, Mm. and famously despised Walt Disney. Mm. And even he was like, hate him. Not an anti-Semite. Not an
1: anti-Semite. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I can imagine, like you said, you might have been racially insensitive, but like who wasn't back then, you know? Yeah,
0: well, I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's like, you know, everybody points to Song of the South. Mm-hmm. And yes, yes, that movie is incredibly racist, as mm-hmm. are a lot of movies from that time period. Right. And like, please understand, I'm not trying to be like an apologist or anything. And I'm not trying no. to be like, well, it was a different we, time.
1: We have talked about this. It's like, you have to take, you know, You acknowledge the truth of the thing, like yes, it was a racist movie, but you know the time period and everything is part of the context. You know, we've talked about it with Lovecraft. It's like, yeah, you know, it's always just like more complicated than just like either apologizing for something or denouncing something.
0: Yeah. Okay, so there are like spooky adjacent stories.
1: Can I just mention one other like Disney adjacent kind of thing? Yeah. Have you ever heard of the movie Escape from Tomorrow? yeah so that came out in the 2013 i just looked it up but it's not a great movie but it's kind of fun it's a horror movie huh that the filmmakers like sneakily snuck into disneyland it was either disneyland or disney world and shot this horror movie like on the slide with like little like you know they're pretending to be tourists but they're actually shooting a movie and then released it and it got like an official release and everything Uh because they like very diligently edited it where like there's nothing and you can tell that it's disneyland but there's nothing in there that's like Disney trademark kind of stuff. So like everyone was like, Yeah, Disney's gonna sue them, Disney's gonna sue them. And di- I think even Disney was like, yeah, it was clever. Like, good job. <laughs> it just kind of left them alone. This... So you can watch it. Like it's it's a clever little low budget horror movie. It, like kind of, you know, as, as you would expect. It's like okay, it's like the concept is a little better than the actual finished product, but yeah. It's kind it's it's a fun thing though.
0: Interesting there is A movie called have you heard of this Movie watcher in the woods
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah terrified
0: Terrified me when I was Mm -hmm. little and I actually was like Did I dream this movie up But Mm -hmm. I didn't. And I think it was Betty Davis's like last movie.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep, it was. Um,
0: Yeah, terrified me when I was little. Yeah, Disney is interesting. Like you are not allowed to cosplay at Mm -hmm. the parks. Like you are not allowed to show. You can do like there's a workaround and there's Disney language for it, which I don't remember what it is. Mm -hmm. But you can work around it by doing like stuff that's inspired by the characters. Mm -hmm. But you are not allowed to cosplay at the characters in the park. Mm. which makes sense if they have like people doing appearances and stuff. Yeah. You know, again, I will never forget being at the uh, princess buffet in Norway at the (laughs) (laughs) world showcase in Epcot and we were having breakfast and I, God, I'm really trying to remember who it was. I can't remember if it was Jasmine or it may have been Aurora. I don't think, it wasn't Elsa because Frozen hadn't come out yet. Mm. But she came up to uh me and the guy that I was dating, my my Disney ex. Uh, and she was talking to us and she was like, Are you like, is this your first time here? And we were like, No. And she said, Oh, where are you like, where are you visiting us from? And we said, Virginia. And she says, Oh, I have a friend from Virginia. And we said, Really? And she goes, Maybe you know her. And we were like, What's her name? And she goes, Pocahontas.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think you've told me that before,
0: and we were like, we busted up laughing, and she was like, "Do you not know her?" Like, just <laughs> completely in character. That's awesome. Yeah, it's what was there's the, a lot of cool stuff.
1: What was the book you and I both read it this summer? That was the is the horror novel about the like kind of knockoff Disneyland that gets hit by the fantasy hurricane. land, fantasy land, yeah. And all the and then everyone turns into a cannibal. uh Yeah
0: real that's fun a, book
1: that's a fun fucked up book check it out mm-hmm.
0: real fun, book, land yeah. fun land something like that hold on hold please i'm pretty sure it's Fantasyland. land is it not am i making that up fantastic land fantastic, fantastic land. land that's, that's what it. it is yeah fantastic land yeah,
1: that, that, yeah. Was like, that was a surprisingly entertaining book.
0: <laughs> 100%. Some, yeah. you know, suspension of disbelief needed, but For sure. a good time. For sure. A good time. <laughs> all right. Okay. Let's let these folks go. Everybody, thank you so much. As always, if you've hit this part when you're listening to Spotify, go smash that five-star rating button. Please rate and review us on all of your listening platforms. You know, we say it. We love hearing from you guys. Let us know mm-hmm. in the comments uh, what you think about Scotty's ghost story. <laughs> and uh what your favorite uh ride or part or snack or whatever of uh, any of the disney parks might be yeah and other than that stay weird stay curious and we'll see you next time bye Bye. so listen friends we'll blow your mind with the finest nonsense we could find might be true and that's the weirdest thing hmm.